So um, you've got your page on that page. Importantly, have make it. So, is that Bob I hear in the background? Yeah, he's demanding food. Ah, oh, Bobby. What a good fellow. Listeners, just in case you're wondering, James uh, has a balcony outside of the room in which he is uh, he's speaking. And, uh, oh, Bobby the cockatoo. James earns millions from internet marketing. Tim's got millions of questions. Welcome to Freedom Ocean. Now, jump on in. Welcome back, listeners, to episode 64 of Freedom Ocean. I am Timbo Reed, one of your hosts, and right there is Jimmy James Shramko. G'day, mate. How are you going, Timbo? Couldn't be finer, 69er. Thank you for asking. Beautiful day. I'm sipping on a chai latte and talking to my mate in Sydney. That's great. I've been nibbling on some pumpkin seed nuts, a carrot, and some of that green water. Oh, mate, I'm salivating. Gosh, I'd give up that chai latte in a heartbeat for some pumpkin seeds. (laughs) Well, you know, my uh, pet cockatoo, Bob, likes them as well. It's a fight to the death. Is Bob's Bob's surname down? I don't think so. Right. That's that's two lewd jokes in the first sentence. You've got 69 and Bob down. What's going on? That's how we roll. That (laughs) is how we roll. Do you know, speaking of 69, I had a terribly embarrassing moment uh, a number of years ago on stage where... I was emceeing a primary school function. My local kids go to the went to the local Catholic primary school, and that is important that we remember it is a Catholic primary school. And one of the teachers is up on stage drawing numbers out of the barrel for some, you know, competition. And he pulls out the number sixty nine. And you know, when you're doing kind of bingo things, you go, you know, clickety click sixty six, legs eleven, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. He says, dinner for two, sixty nine. <gasps> Outrageous. 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 And I've got the principal sitting on the table right in front of me. And yes, uh, one of the uh, dangers of emceeing things, you, you can bring loose cannons up on stage and that's always scary, which is actually a very good segue, Jimmy James, because we've got a bit to cover, mate. That's a good segue into today's topic, which is how to run an uncomplicated live event. Perfect topic. Absolutely perfect. perfect. And, and I'll tell you why, uh, and you tell me why, but uh, we both agreed when, when, we, um, when I shared that topic with you that it lit us up. I'll tell you why. A, it's an alternate revenue stream, and B, there's, not a, there's probably not a business about that couldn't add it to their arsenal of things that they do in their business because we've all got stuff to say and we've all got clients who want to hear from us. This is so and, true, whether you're a mm. teacher and you're having a class event for your parents, whether you're a a software maker and you want to have a user convention, whether you run a community like you do and like I do, there's nothing better than bringing people together for a live event. There's not. In the crazy virtual world we live in, there's something very special about eyeballing the people that that we love so dearly. And in fact, only last week, mate, I had a meetup for the Small Business Big Marketing Show, uh, the first meetup I'd organised. I know you've done a number for your fast web formula crew, but this was great. It was great. I kind of was a bit nervous about it. And you do get nervous about live events. I mean, this was, this is not, the, the meetup wasn't the live event that we're going to talk about today. We're talking about putting on a stage show, so to speak, but it was a bit nerve wracking. I didn't know whether I was going to, I had 38 people RSVP and 
just didn't know whether I was going to be sitting with two people or every, whether everyone was going to turn up. We had 26 turn up, started at 1 o'clock, and uh, we're still going at 7 o'clock when I left. But um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So uh, there is a lot of value in them. So, mate, let's talk live event, events. We're going, to, we're going to do this in a way that is kind of in order from the first things you've got to do into the end of, you know, to the last thing you've got to do. We're going to try and do it that way. We'll, we'll see how we, know, we go. We both know that it's not going to end up that way. Because one of the first questions I got, Timbo, what type of event are we talking about? Because currently I've got three different types of events on my agenda, so I feel so well-versed in this. By the way, listeners, lose any limiting beliefs around this. Listen to this show and in it with the mindset that you can do this. You know, you might not like public speaking. You might never have put on an event before. You might think you're not up to it. No one had come. Just kind of lose those that kind of self-talk at the moment and hear us out because um, I, James and I both run live events. Uh, James has won run one most recently, and I've put on a couple for my show, and they are powerful things to do. So types of events, Jimmy, um, I've got, you know, like uh, it could be a workshop, could be a kind of presentation, uh, and or it could be a series of keynotes. What have you got? Yeah, so the sort of things that I'm up to, I've got member meetups for my community. I've got a retreat. I've got small intensive workshops for my mastermind and I've got a larger event, sort of the 150 to 250 size grand ballroom style right. event. So we so can let's, dive again, in anywhere. Well, let's in, in the spirit of, un, of uncomplicatedness and in the spirit of wanting as many listeners to actually go ahead and do one, let's talk about a half-day live event with maximum 20 people. Yep. Well, or I'd say like one day or half day. It's almost no different. Well, yeah, extrapolate it to half a day or – I'd say reduce... a one-day event with a dozen people. Righto. Happy Super days. Simple. Yep. Simple, simple. Right, how simple. are we going to kick Paid. this off? Paid. Paid. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> correct, correct. Okay, so we've got a full-day live event with a dozen people. Well, the first thing you're going to need to decide on um, is – well, yeah, we can go two ways here. You've got to book a venue, but decide on your content. What are you going to – what's it about? Yeah, so I go one step before that. It's related anyway, but I'm thinking I want to know what are the problems that my audience have because mm-hmm. that's what I'm solving with my event. So the first thing starts with the problem out there that your customers experience that you intend to solve. That mm-hmm. will help you plan your content. So same totally. same topic. Have I doubled up on your topic or do, well, or do you go given, next? No, 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 you haven't. You, you've given uh, it, that's a strategy for deciding on what your content's going to be about. So once you're clear on what problems you get, and, you know, like any business, any good business owner worth their salt is going to know the problems their customers have got. So therefore, you go and develop a live event around that. The next thing is what's the structure? What does that one day look like? Does it involve you speaking from the front of the room for the entire time? Is it, is it a workshop where you speak and then get your attendees to do stuff? Is it a seri- Is it you kind of being the anchor person or, or is it you being the anchor person and then bringing in guest speakers? Yeah, or is it you skills? being an MC and not producing the content at all? Or is it having someone else be the MC and someone else present it and you're just facilitating the one bank role in this is the investor so there's you can take a very passive role if you want and i've tried different variations on this and so if you're really petrified of getting up in front of a group then you can just bring in an expert and just be the the host or the facilitator Mm. Mm. 
But don't be. You know, don't. Uh, I already know people have kind of dropped the uh, guard or have put the guard up and said, you know, like, no, 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 there's no way I could host and talk it for a full day. But again, you'll be surprised. The workshop structure is actually a really good one, James. If, if you don't, if you're not in, inclined to want to talk for too long, actually getting people to talk, uh, to do stuff is the best, is the best uh, sort of solution for that. Yeah, my friend Taki Moore is uh, an expert at running these little events, and he calls it a done-with-you event. So it's it's quite a nice little thing. It's rather than just being spoken at, Mm. the participants are being taught something, and then they do it, and they walk away at the end of the event with an actual result. So that's the exact same format that I've had when I've done Mm -hmm. 10 or 12 people for an Own the Race course intensive. People came, they learnt the process, and then we did it. And and I've got to say... As a, as a you know keynote speaking's one of the, my main revenue streams when I get booked or when I get asked if I can speak the brief is I'd say eighty percent of the time if not more you've got to give us how to people want how to you know they've had enough of theory they've had enough of what could be they want to know the how and that's what they pay for perfect so. We know who's coming, we know what problems they've got, and we know the content that we're going to deliver and who's going to deliver that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's next? So I guess we've got to start thinking about the timing of this event. When's it going to be? Well, I well, yeah, there's that kind of there's those kind of two things happening at the same time, isn't there? There's the timing and logistics, the the venue, the the stuff that you need. I would also say at the same time, given you, you now know uh, the problem that you're solving, the content, the structure. This is old school, Jimmy, but I reckon go and create a brochure uh, to articulate your offer. And that brochure goes through, you know, uh, it reminds people of the problem they've got. It offers up the solution. It describes the actual day and what they'll expect and what outcomes they're going to get. And even goes as far, old school, as having a booking form, some way of registering and or paying. Because that does two things. It brings the event to life. It becomes tangible both to the potential participant and you, the event holder. It really does, I reckon, writing a brochure help articulate your message and your offer. Well, I've done that once out of about 30 events. <laughs> and made a... Yeah, you know, thanks for the support there. Well, I don't support it because, yeah, no, no. you know, my opinion is well, different. I did a Magalog once, but that was to pitch... A Magalog? A Magalog, which it's older school again, perhaps, but it's... Uh, it's a salesy piece that reminds people what they're buying. And I used it when I pitched in London mm-hmm. because I was from another country. It was a virtual event. Or they were getting recordings, actually, of a previous event. So not quite the same. But I'll have to say that I wouldn't, I don't bother. I mean, I constantly sell out 230-person events. With, without doing that, I have the more traditional method of picking a date, finding a venue that can cater for that date, setting a price and then setting up a simple sales offer on a web page, and then an offer sheet. So the offer sheet is a sales piece of paper, on usually on an A4, that if I'm going to sell this thing, and we'll talk about that, from, from platform or face-to-face, then I'll hand out an offer sheet, which is a reminder of what they're getting, and mm-hmm. there will be a call to action, and you will need a sales form or an online order option there. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's, that's a hybrid. I yeah I I stand strong on the the brochure because people the listeners aren't you uh, I do think you need a website a web page of course and I think the brochure should be downloadable from that web page and the copy on that brochure can be um, 
also uh, form that web page. From my experience and from what I've seen, I've been watching a few people hold events lately. They have had brochures. So, look, that's all right. We, we can agree to disagree on that. But importantly, you've got to create something, whether it be a web page or a brochure, a slide deck, whatever it may be, to articulate your offer. Yeah, you definitely need an offer and it has to be able to be communicated and you have to be able to reach your audience. These days, you know, it is pretty simple to drive people from Facebook to an offer page. Yep. But if you do work in an offline medium or if you have a traditional business and you're sending out invoices or if you do, if you already do any print media or you send out envelopes, just piggyback it with mm-hmm. your, your brochure. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with that. And I used to put it in the newsletter at the car dealership. So mm-hmm. I'm, o- I'm okay with the brochure, but I am saying you, you said simple and that does add a layer of complexity. You have to have it mm-hmm. print, you know, formatted and then printed and then distributed. Whereas you don't have to do that. If you okay. Don't. So put a, a brochure, we've got to have a web page. Now that could hang off your website. Um, yes. Your existing website. Don't yes. go and create. You know, this is about uncomplicated live events. Yeah, so I just put forward slash live. Correct. I put a simple little. Uh, what is the event? When is it? Who can you expect? What do you get? How much is it? Order here. It's going to complicate it, but a video would be nice. That's not hard. Yeah, I usually put a video, but if you have an iPhone and if you've listened to any of our previous <laughs> yeah, yeah. episodes, you know we've thrashed this one to death. Yeah, yeah. So there's no reason you can't make a little video, but you could certainly make a, a screencast video or. Um, just going. Uh, I've got a little documentary on my current sales mm-hmm. page at the moment, which is kind of cool. It's sort of a half and half. So um, you've got your page on that page. Importantly, have make it. So, is that Bob? I hear in the background. Yeah, he's demanding. Ah, oh, Bobby, what a good fellow, listeners. Just in case you're wondering, James uh, has a balcony outside of the room in which he is. Uh, he's speaking, and uh, oh, Bobby the cockatoo. Uh, has befriended James. You've always been good and, with the birds, well, Jimmy. And oh gosh. And if you're not from Melbourne, Tim's referring to a, a balcony. So what did I call um, it? A balcony. You know, like oh. the Melburnians have a special word for that. Wow, we're just a little bit more upper class down south, Jimmy. <laughs> so, mate, um, make you know, this is a big one. Make it easy for people to give you money. Uh, yes. That's kind of a general. Well, maybe multiple multiple ways they multiple can give ways. You money well, let's go through it. PayPal. Yeah, PayPal and, and credit card are, are the two classic ways. Mm-hmm. And they could phone you up and place a phone order. Uh, for example, like I can just log into my eWay terminal and type in an order over the phone, a phone-assisted order. Mm-hmm. That would be good. You can get uh, PayPal here, have a little toggle that you can get now that attaches to your smartphone, and you can now swipe people's credit cards in the street. Yeah, so... Well, yeah, that didn't sound very good. Well, you want you know to ask I mean. them first, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's full right. disclosure. But, but yeah, also yeah, people correct. could send you a check. They could do an electronic transfer. If you, you know, old school works just fine. Put your bank account details on your site. Yeah, and if, you wanted, if you're going to be doing this a lot, you could even set up a BPAY number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. That's just about going to the bank. Oh, no, it's calling B- is, I, I haven't done that before. Is BPAY uh, a brand unto itself, isn't it? Yeah, so you know, like your accountant and all of that, they get their own little B pay yeah. number and the um, tenancy companies, etc. So, if you're in a, if you're going to get, if you're going to get fired up about this and be an event company, <laughs> like a lot of people are making good money in this field, I think think people will be surprised how how much revenue turns in these things. So, make it easy for people to give you money, yep. Jimmy. Alongside this, I, I think some of this, the logistical stuff, like getting the venue, all that. That's a bit kind of, you know, we won't spend too no, much time on that. That's not a big deal, Timbo. That's not a big no, deal. I just drive to where I think I'd like the event. I ask for recommendations. Yeah. I cruise in. 
I have a look around. I find I find out who's in charge of corporate whatever. There's, they've always got someone there nine to five. You say hi, give them your card if you've got one, and just they'll show you the the facilities. They'll give you a, a quote, and that's mm. it. I did that with the Amora in Sydney. I've done yeah. it here in Manly. I just cruise in, check out the venue, get the thing, haggle with them a bit on the rates. Uh, Big time. Well, you can you can flip the terms around a little bit because they'll always go a little bit high. And then you're going to have choices such as meals, whether you include meals or not. Mm-hmm. You've got, you got meals, you've got AV equipment, so catering, you've got – they're the kind of main costs. I would also say – Whilst um, don't go nuts with the venue, the venue is a positioning tool for the for the event. So you know, don't run it. Probably don't run it at the local McDonald's. You know, because that. I mean, although the catering would be and cheap. Think laterally. You can do these things on a boat. You can yeah. do it in in your house. I've done silver circles in my house before. I think it's super that's easy. I think absolutely think laterally about it. But most importantly, and because I do a lot of speaking, there are some venues made. For events and others that are cool but aren't made for events. For example, I spoke recently at a place in Adelaide that was built in 1865, James. Um, <laughs> back then, they certainly didn't have PowerPoint uh, projectors, uh, lecterns, you know, microphones and things. Well, think think low tech though. So that that's if we're talking uncomplicated, you know, the last mastermind I ran in a, in a hotel was a smallish room. It had a U-shaped table arrangement. You'll get to choose the table arrangement. And I asked for one whiteboard. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I didn't need a projector. I didn't need computers. I didn't need cables. I just needed a whiteboard, some marker pens, and a U-shaped seating, and that was fantastic mm. for one day. And then the meals you do outside there, and I, and at the end of it, I took everyone down to an ma- amazing dinner at the waterfront opposite the Opera House, and it was remarked upon by everyone who attended. Mm. Nice. So, look, venue, all those things, work it out. Don't go and spend a fortune. Let's get back to actually yeah, the structure. So, so the main deal is tech. It's tech and meals. These things are just going to be important yeah. considerations. And from my experience, there'll always be someone who's not happy with the meals. There'll always, yeah, yeah. Be, some, there'll always be a vegetarian. There'll always be someone who thinks it's too spicy or too plain or whatever. There's, usually there's one. Yeah. But my other advice is – Put a bit of thought into the food because that that is an important part of the day for most mm. people. They're, they're thinking, well, I'm paying for this event. I'm, if you provide meals, that is. And, and yeah. uh, your stuff is great because uh, I always look forward at the breaks to a little bowl of pumpkin seeds and those carrots. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So then you've got to think audio video because this is something that I like to do is to leverage the mm. event. Now, the simple one that I do for my intensive is I've just got a little Olympus recorder, which probably costs 100 bucks from a store like Dick Smith or a Radio Shack-style store, and I stick it on the table near where I'm talking, and I just record the whole day. The The most recent one that I did, I've upgraded. I got a $60 mic called a Rode Smart Lav and pinned it to my shirt and plugged it into my iPhone, which I put on the Orphonic app and stuck it in my pocket, and I recorded my presentation for myself mm-hmm. and if you want to go all out and you want to video it then you can either stick a, a camera with a long life on a tripod in the corner if you just want to record it for the sake of having a copy mm-hmm. but if you want to go pro hire someone to come and video the event and i would i mean we're talking uncomplicated live event here but i don't think this is complicating it i would spend the dough and it might cost you 500 bucks, a thousand bucks to have someone in and actually properly record it for the day. But 
if you want to talk about repurposing and making money post the event, then I just think that's a no-brainer. It should pay for itself in multiples. You could get paid in advance, but you can actually, with your ticket sales, cover mm-hmm. the cost of your recording. In fact, the FastWeb Formula 3, I pre-sold the recordings to the event for people who didn't want to come to the event or couldn't mm-hmm. come because of where it was. And the pre-sales of the recording paid for the videographer, which from memory was about $10,000 for three days. Whoa. And I got all beautiful MP4, 16 by 9 format, they have two cameras set up. Yeah, okay. They were, fan- they were flawless. That was including. That's not a lot. I've paid twenty grand for three days. Yeah, for yeah, the yeah. But Jimmy, supply. come on, come bring it back, mate. Remember our listener. But hang our on, listener. Simple doesn't mean cheap, and I want to. No, it draw doesn't. This. If you have twelve people, and you charge a thousand dollars a head, that's twelve grand. Your venue's going to cost maybe sixteen hundred bucks. Your meal's going to cost a couple of grand if you go to a fancy place and you could video the the event for a thousand bucks you still make a profit and you end up with a fantastic high quality info product Mm. Mm. yeah and that's before we talk about what you sell at the event you could pitch a ten thousand dollar product and close a third of the room on that okay but remember uncomplicated it's still not complicated what's what's hard about that Charge for a ticket, pay your suppliers, make a profit, sell something else at the event. That's like it all fits in a simple sentence. (laughs) It's like, yeah, uh, talking about heart surgery. Patient lies on table, open up rib cage, fix heart, stitch up. That's simple, One sentence. Get a a qualified surgeon in, get a patient. (laughs) Hey, Jimmy. Bingo. Jimmy, we haven't talked pricing and uh, we, we probably should dedicate an entire episode to pricing full stop. But in terms of pricing the event. Well, to have to have done the sales page, we've got to have done a price. Yes. And the, the price should relate to the size of the problem you're solving and it quite often is related to the, the amount to which you're going to sell at the event. If you're going to be selling stuff at the event, generally the price yes. comes down a little bit. Mm. And if if you want a lot of volume of people at the event, generally the price comes down a bit. So these these packed out stadium things, you know, they're like a fifty dollar or nineteen dollar or a hundred dollar ticket. If you're going to have six to twelve people, you can easily charge anywhere up to five to ten thousand dollars per person for the right type of problem you're solving. But it's more common than not that you're going to charge somewhere around five hundred to to three thousand dollars for an intimate event. If you're in a high solution zone, mm. yeah, I think that's fair, and and probably the higher the price, if you if you want to, you can offer payment terms. Uh, may complicate things, but also makes it easier for some people to take the offer up. And those payment terms might be you know fifty percent down payment with fifty percent twenty four hours prior to the event or something like. And that. if you want to go old old school, Jay Abraham, you can do one of those. If you don't absolutely love it by lunchtime or halfway through the day, you can just come up to the back of the room and and uh, request a refund and I'll cheerfully write Love out it. a check for you, you know, all that sort of stuff. Let's talk about promoting this. Everything's in place now. We've got the venue, the date, the pricing, the the, the whole the, the, the web page, the brochure. We've got all that going on. We've now and got maybe a, some workbooks or a bit of merchandise. A bit of merch. Sort of yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. of merch. Love that. Like, you know, I've I've got a I've got some workbooks now for my next event mm-hmm. and I've got some, you know, I always give out hoodies at my uh, larger events mm-hmm. and I, I, it's so easy to do. Ring the guy up, send him the logo, he sends me a proof. I say yes, I buy it, the boxes turn up for the venue. <laughs> easy as that. Love it. So I've got some ways, let's go one for one on promoting. Obviously, an email out to your list. Yeah, so pre-event marketing is letting people know about your offer page. 
or brochure, whatever. So that is some piggyback flyers. If you're going to go old school with your brochure, put it in something you're already sending. There's no extra cost. I would strongly recommend if you have an expert that you get some content from that person, do an interview or a podcast or have them on your, your show and, and talk about it in advance to, to warm people up to the idea that they should come along to get more. Absolutely. And get them to also promote. Anyone who you've got speaking, get them to promote it to their list. Obviously, getting on the phone, I've got probably running some AdWords or Facebook ads. Yeah, Facebook ads would be good. And also remarketing to people who you had come to a previous event. Mm -hmm. And this was a suggestion of my our common friend, Kerry Finch. Mm -hmm. She uh, That's our friend in common, not that she's common, <laughs> right? So. She suggested after I did one of my fast food formula ones, she said you should just invite the same people back. And I'm like, yeah, that's a very good idea. I'll do that. So go back to people who you've been already doing business with and talk to them about coming back to, to get updated, to refresh their knowledge, to use the idea that accountants and lawyers, doctors, solicitors, they all need to do continual training to retain their certification mm -hmm. or status. And you can really take that stance. You know, like even your driver's license or you've got to go and do your eye test every five years and stuff. Like mm -hmm. people need to refresh if they're going to be at the highest level in their field. Correct. Things change. They do. Social media would be another way of getting the message out. Yep. And just dissecting that problem into little bite-sized pieces and dropping out little nibbles in, you know, own the race course style video mm. or audio content. Yep, getting interview, getting interviews on other people's podcasts that share a similar audience that you think would be interested in attending your event is a good thing. And also, people who are attending, encourage them to, because uh, people like to go along with friends, so encourage them. You might even offer some kind of discount or incentive for, you know, bring a friend. Yep, you can have volume deals. You can uh, have a post-event retweet, hey, I just booked a ticket to blah, blah, blah. Check mm -hmm. it out here. That's it. Those little retweetables uh, are very good. They are good. So, mate, they're the kind of ways. We're only trying to get 12 people in a, in a room, so they are some pretty easy, simple, uh, cost-effective ways. More than likely, you could post a bit of a Facebook post about it and, and you'll get most of your audience there if they're, mm. if they're already engaged. Mm. Yep, absolutely. So we've um, covered, we've pretty much covered everything. I, I was going to leave repurposing till the end. We've, we have touched on it. We've talked about the idea of recording it. Um, once you have got at the end of the event, post the event, you've got the videos, what do you specifically do with them? Yeah, so you've got post-event marketing. In my case, I stick them inside my membership community mm -hmm. as an encouragement for people to join. You could sell them to People who came to the event, I've done that before. Mm -hmm. You could sell them to people who didn't come to the event as standalone items. You could cut them into little pieces and put them on your YouTube channel and then stick them on your blog and draw people to them. So I've recently, at the launch of James Dyson's Optimized Press 2, I went and found my recordings of him at two of my Fast Web Formula events and put them onto my blog and gave them away and drove a lot of traffic to it. I gave nice. immense value after the event. Mm -hmm. Also, you could do a post-event summary, a webinar or something, and then record that too. So you can get the people who are there to come back and see how much they've been able to change or implement since then and perhaps even generate some testimonials. And, and that's a, re a really good idea in itself in terms of having just additional value, like high perceived value to the attendee, low cost to you would be to run a, a pre and a post webinar and it might be there's some free webinar software. There's obviously go-to webinar. You could do a Google Hangout and just pre-event, 
you could you might want to run a webinar actually answering questions on what people can expect and giving a little bit of a bit of a teaser as to what to expect if you've got guests you could have them on and then post the event given that the event's going to be full of content it is always a good it's going to generate questions and people are going to leave that event and a week later go oh i've got a question so having a, a webinar or google hangout two weeks post the event is additionally great value yeah, so I usually run a free business coaching webinar before my event and I ask people in advance when they register on a survey, what's your biggest challenge right now? And then I cover that in the webinar. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like a self-sourcing pudding. You don't have to put a lot of prep work into it. Just promise the webinar, ask people their problem and then on the webinar, solve it and tell them when they come to the event that you're going to go much deeper. Jimmy James, given your dietary requirements at the moment, you wouldn't be into self-sourcing, but I'd like to digress. What was your favourite flavoured self-sourcing pudding? I like the butterscotch. So did I. Yeah, hard to beat. How good was the butterscotch? Everyone went for the chocolate. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the chocolate. Uh, it's a trick. The the, the butterscotch. Track for A good butterscotch pudding, pretty hard to beat. Oh, Goodness me, Big I'm Sister was the brand pick, in Australia. Well, I still pick one up occasionally on a business flight on Qantas. Yes, just quiet tip there. Yes, in the you know three in the morning somewhere over the ocean. No one's going. No one's going to know. Gonna know. <laughs> Correct. So I, you know, just a couple of little things. You might want to have a maybe have some tags or something if people don't know each yep. other. But if they do, you don't you don't need to do it. And and you might also think about when you're going to have to pay people a cash flow thing. So. You know, like I've just lobbed down to the Novotel here at Manly and they're going to want 40 to 50 grand from me for an event next year. And I'll pay a 10 or 20% deposit on my credit card. And then I can put the sales page up that week and have my 10 or 20% back instantly. Like I'm cash flow positive again, but you will have to cater for spikes. So I actually use a separate account for my events so that I don't touch the funds yeah, right. because you actually don't own the money until after you've run the event and you want to be careful about how you call this if you have a PayPal or credit card facility. For example, I'll pull in, say, uh, let's say I pull in $130,000 in ticket sales. I don't want to touch that money until at least I've paid all my suppliers. It might cost me seventy or 80000 for the event and then I don't even spend the profit on it. I'm going to pay tax on it and everything in the meantime, but I can't touch the money until after the event because it's not my money until I've delivered what's promised. Mm. So I don't like a long lead time before an event. A long lead time can help you sell it, but it also means you're sitting on pretty much you owe people something and I don't like owing anybody anything. Mm -hmm. So I have a reasonably moderate lead time so that I can collect the money close to the time that I deliver the goods. And I know that might sound backwards to most businesses who are perennially following up customers to be paid after they deliver the service, Mm -hmm. but I don't like to have too much of a pre-debt. Yeah. No, agree with that, mate. You know, it's interesting. We've kind of covered everything that you need to put on an uncomplicated live event. It's inspired me to consider, like I want to say, 100% 100% yes, I'll do one before the end of the year. And I reckon there'll be some listeners out there right now feeling those butterflies going, oh, hang on, I kind of like what those guys have covered and I think I could do it. Timber, it's super simple. I, I, I ran Fastweb Formula 4 by myself. With I didn't take on a project manager this time. It was actually the easiest one I've mm. ever run. I, I, I just kept it very simple. Mm. Simple. I had an experienced team who've done several events. You're going to need some volunteers. 
once you start getting past 10 people, you might want a person to assist you at the event to meet and greet or, or, um, handle weird stuff like, like you will have someone in your community to do that. That's the thing, you know, like, uh, exactly that. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll line up from here to Africa to volunteer for that. But yeah. I've got my mate Ken, for example. Kenny, yep. Kerry, always helpful. Like she's, she'll sit in the front row and hold up a time card. Like you want to have your, you know, you want to yep. have your sessions timed if possible. Yep. Ken's my bouncer. <laughs> uh, you know, he's, sure, he's got five stints in his heart. But Love it. He, you know, he's there to, to make sure that uh, he regulates flow into the room. And, you know, it's good to have someone to say, hey, listen, you know, like could you ask them if they have a bigger whiteboard or mm. can you just check if we can get lunch at this particular time? You want yeah. someone else, not you, because you're busy promoting or uh, presenting the event. You don't want to be that person that has to worry about anything else. Ah. So you say, I'm going to be up the front here. When I'm up the front, I want you to pretend I'm not here. So anything else, room temperature, seating, lighting, electrical stuff, food, it's your responsibility. And you get someone responsible and reliable to assist you, you're going to have a smooth run. So I don't think for a second you're going to be able to need to do this by yourself because you'll find it pretty easy to get a solid volunteer. My first event that I ever ran, I actually got this friend of mine, Sean, who used to work with me at Mercedes-Benz, and him him and I had such a trust bond and had run so many events at Mercedes-Benz that I knew I could just ha- have yeah, him handle gold. anything. It was amazing. We, we somehow pulled off this huge event. Mm. With no prep, but with this checklist we've talked about with a bit of confidence and certainly listeners can ask questions on freedom ocean and we have a new commenting system. It's very easy to ask questions. Come along and ask some questions. I'll be happily answering them for you. Tim and I do this for a living. So for, for once we're talking about something we know about. Ash, <laughs> Ash. Oh, no. Brilliant, mate. I'm going to uh, love you and leave you. Well, I move house on Friday in two days, three days' time. So uh, this office is a, a shambles. There is much work to be done. I will go away and contemplate whether I do put one on before the end of the year. What do we got? We're in early September. Well, so I'm heading off to Hawaii to my retreat. You are. And that you was are. simply a case of a little video, a payment button on the page, tell people about it in our podcast, and I'm now flying over there to a small group, and we're going to mastermind and brainstorm for a few days. It was fully catered, and and uh, it's like walk in, walk out, don't have to think about anything, and put a fun activities, yoga and paddle boarding, as well as business breakouts. And it's great value for our participants. It's fun for me to run. I'm going to Hawaii for a business trip. <laughs> and, you know, so maybe we'll do an episode from there. We will. No doubt. We'll talk mate. about how it's going. You absolutely. I'd love to do that. All right, buddy. Well, uh, listeners, that is uh, end of episode 64 of Freedom Ocean. Head over to freedomocean.com. You can register and get all the little updates of what James and I are up to. You get transcriptions of every episode and lots of marketing love. Jimmy, uh, good episode, mate. Enjoyed that discussion. See you next time. See you, Timbo. Thanks for diving into the Freedom Ocean with James Schramko and Tim Reed. You've just come that little bit closer to living the life you choose. Please keep in mind that the ideas, opinions, and information shared in the show are those of the hosts and do not reflect those of their past employers. And as far as future employers go, well, they're both pretty much unemployable. (laughs) 